Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's May Check Discussion Group Call here at Tactical Sovereignty. Uh, this beautiful Sunday, the first day of the week, not the Sabbath or seventh day of the week. And you know, a lot of the stuff that people have been discussing in the group and sharing with each other and talking about on the side is um, really the law of agency and the things that the state has done as a way of being able to uh, really kind of put a leash around the, the man or woman. And you know, people are operating in a position that they don't even really realize that they're operating in. And so what we're going to be discussing this evening is that situation and how to really place yourself in appropriate standing so that you can have a little bit of control over your life. Everybody feels like they're totally... Uh, hopeless and helpless right now with all the things going on and they feel like everybody's just getting run over in court and getting run over by the revenue officers on the road as well. But uh, there are things that can be put in place that will greatly, greatly help people in that situation. And tonight, uh, Dawn is on and uh, she brought a couple of friends as well, uh, Jane and Tracy with her. And uh, so, Dawn, if you want to say hi. Hi. Uh, and I'm bringing on my friends Jean and Tracy. And uh, Jean, Tracy, and I, we've known each other for, oh, gosh, what, five, six years now? Yeah, at least six years, yeah. Yeah. Going on seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it started with mortgage information and um, uh, just a, a fun way of they They found out that there was this gal over in this county talking about some things that they'd never heard of. So they came along with some other friends that, that Jean was uh, working with. And then it started from there. And through all of this mortgage information, it, it made us have to study and see what failed. And through those failures, uh, no matter how intelligently we put it together or how perfect we thought this was or that affidavit was or we had this information or, you know, how could they do that? Mm-mm. It, it just, nothing. It just got uh, slammed every time. And uh, Jean and Tracy then started studying trust. And I would say we listened to a lot of different um, people that brought forward information over the years. And and it's all kind of uh, accumulated to now. And one of the big pieces of the puzzle for us uh, was the registering of the principal or that legal name that the state manufactured. And and I I tend to um, explain it to people that that look you you your parents went to the hospital. 
um, private information was given. The hospital took that private information, gave it to the county vital statistics, and that was the process of them manufacturing a commercial product, a legal entity that was going to be used in commerce. And that was what the birth certificate um, event was about. It's just a commercial product. So that's the way I come across telling people, uh, you know, first of all, I, I, we'll get into this further, but um, when people walk into these courtrooms and they say, well, I have constitutional rights, and, and, and then you bring in scripture on top of it. Well, these are commercial zones. You're going into a commercial zone, and it's like going to the, like I was telling Brian earlier, you're going up to the Walmart refund counter. You're trying to get your money back because there was a problem with the commercial product or whatever. Do you go to that counter and claim constitutional rights and quote scripture? Uh, well, if you did, they'd probably be calling somebody to take you away because that's ridiculous. And that's what, uh, that's how I perceive it. And I think it's a very simple way to, to get people off of so many tangents that we've all gone down mistakenly. But, yeah, it's just a commercial process. It's a commercial product. And uh, Tracy's done a, a lot of really good research. Um, so, Tracy, do you want to add some to that? Um, well, I guess I, I would start with we all probably have gone down the same road since we've all been educated similarly and all have been programmed the same way that um, is regarding the power of attorney, which we are using now, if you look back at everything you've filled out, every form, application, agreement you've ever made in your life, every job you've taken, every time you've done that, you've given up some of your power to another person that you gave that application to. That's called power of attorney. You gave up something that you had the right to do, and you gave it to them to do it on your behalf. That's called the power of attorney. Even if it doesn't say anywhere on the form power of attorney, you just have to look at what what's actually happening. Did you have a power that you could do yourself, and did you allow someone else to do it on your behalf? If you can say yes, you gave them power of attorney. So now they are doing business on your behalf. You just allowed them to do that. So when you open up a bank account, um, you are allowing them to take and be custodian of your money, to change money from one form to another. They can't do that without your permission. So in order for you to give them permission, you must have had the power to give to them. They didn't get it out of nowhere. They got it from you. So um, what we're dealing with now is if you just were um, dealing with men, women, you know, dealing like bartering, you wouldn't need this power of attorney and you wouldn't need to do the DBA process. You would just have an agreement, shake hands, maybe have some witnesses, and everything would be good. If there's any problems, you'd bring those witnesses and say this guy didn't perform and then you'd handle it. Um, but what people started doing, they started making these artificial entities instead of coming together man-to-man -to -man because they were doing everything internationally. 
and they couldn't be there man-to-man in personam, so they needed agents to do their business for them. So they'd go to different countries, they'd sign papers on their behalf, um, set up businesses on their behalf, set up governments, everything through powers of attorney and agreements, and everything's on paper now. So now that you got everything in paper, um, you have different capacities, you have different statuses, and different ranks, whatever you want to call them, they're all kind of the same meaning, status, condition, rank, estate, state. They're all basically talking about the same thing of, of can you hold property, can you sell property, um, or, or do you have a status where you're only a renter and a tenant, some kind of a, a in servitude, um, things like that. So I'm just saying, look back at what you've already done, and because a lot of people will say, "Well, I can't wrap my head around this stuff, and, and it's too, it's too overwhelming, it's too confusing." Well, you've been doing it your whole life; you just didn't know what it was called. So what we're doing is, is saying now, instead of giving your power of attorney to all these agencies, give it to somebody you trust more than anybody in the world, and that's yourself. So you can put on your hat of man that is coming in as a private citizen and the private citizen is the one that was born in one of the states and is not the public U.S. citizen. He's the private state citizen. He's going to start doing business within the United States using a an entity that the United States recognizes now and it's registered. So this is only about commerce. This isn't about um, man-to-man stuff or even private citizen to private citizen. The only reason we're we're having issues is because we're coming into the United States jurisdiction unlawfully or illegally. We're not registered. We're incapacitated. They can't see us. We have no right to be there. And no matter how much we we put in documents, we just they can't see it. So now we're trying to fix that so where they recognize, they always recognize the attorney in fact, and they recognize the DBA name. And that's the only thing we're operating in within the commercial realm now. That's it. The private citizen stays private. Well, and uh, thanks, Tracy. That's one of the things, too, that people don't realize. And, you know, a lot of people... I hear complain and they're like, okay, well, all this was done when I was an infant. I was not of age majority. Uh, and so the creation of that birth certificate and stuff is all null and void. It doesn't mean anything. Da, da, da. And people don't realize, though, that, I mean, that information was given forward uh, to the state. Uh, a lot of times it's even listed as informant who would be the mom or in some cases the father. And that was done because since you were not of the age of majority, they naturally had power of attorney over you. And so that all really was done in their legal realm. It was done correctly. And a lot of people say, well, why can't we just walk away from this stuff? We did all this stuff unknowingly, da, da, da. Well, everything was really placed in the Federal Register, which is their place where they put notification for the people out there. Uh, I was reading an article 
uh, from a Tampa, Florida newspaper here a few months ago, and it was one of the council members in the paper saying that they wanted to do something with a waterway, and they had placed it in the federal register. Nobody had complained. It had been 30 days, so they were moving forward with their project. Uh, The thing is, people don't know where to really look for these notifications of what U.S. Inc. is doing, you know, and so uh, they want to blame U.S. Inc. for it, and it's really not their fault. You know, it's all been put out there. We just haven't gone and researched. I mean, if you work for a company, uh, for instance, don't you think it would be smart to read the employee handbook? That way, if they want to try and bust you for doing something wrong or whatever, yeah, you've known what things are permitted and what things aren't permitted. Well, if you want to check that box that says United States citizen, well, it might really behoove you to go and check on all of the requirements that a United States citizen is held to. And people really haven't done that. There's been, you know, I, I think the biggest problem in the United States of America really has been negligence. Everybody's been negligent and they've sat back on on their butt, you know, they've sat on their rectum, which legally the word rectum means uh, your rights. They've sat on their rights and let the Bar Association and other PMAs come in and run everything, and they haven't stood up and objected. And yeah. so that's what we're placed in. We're placed in a position where we have to come forward and object and place ourselves in the correct capacity. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that because um, what we're finding out is that we have to go back and correct all the mistakes that we've made, and we have to start taking responsibility. You know, a lot of people would like to just, well, I just uh, talked to the insurance company, and they said for $350 a month, they'll, um, you know, they'll insure me for this or that. And so they go and pay the money, and then they don't have to worry about it. Whereas what we're doing is we're finding out the method that, that is set up by the system to have insurance and then contracting with these government entities to provide those services. And it's always like a three-part process where you make them an offer, and then if they don't perform, you give them a notice of fault, and then if they don't perform again, you give them a notice of default. But still, um, we have to go back and do all these things um, to correct the problems that we created by our inactivity because we would rather sit down in front of the TV and open a beer rather than open a book and read how to become responsible. So it, it is all about responsibility. Yeah, and what Gene was referring to there really is the administrative process. Exactly. I've mentioned that to people before, and they ask, well, administrative process, what's that? You know what I mean? And people see it in real life all the time, and they don't realize it. It's when, say, your credit card company sends you a bill, so-called a bill, it actually says a statement, that says that, you know, they want this amount of money from you, you know. Uh, if you don't send that amount of money, then they're going to send you another letter. That's all part of administrative process, and you can use the same exact thing with uh, the empire, I like to call it, or the company or U.S. Inc., and and use the same process with them. Uh, you send them your notice. If there's no response, you send them uh, a notice of 
possible default for lack of response and let them know what will end up happening and which will be the third letter which you default them on and that way if you do get dragged into court uh even if it's a credit card issue or whatever it is you've got something that you can lay out in front of that administrator there and say look i have tried to exhaust my administrative process in in any remedy here's what i've done there's been no response and this is where we are yeah exactly and and that's it you have to exhaust all the administrative remedies before you're allowed to really go into court to make a claim and if you haven't exhausted those remedies then they may just throw it out because um you know you you have to do due process when you handle these things and and like a lot of this stuff requires a lot of letter writing and and diligent um you know tracking of the mail and when it was sent out and when it was received and giving them a certain amount of time to to um you know give a response and then you know give it the you know the opportunity to cure their their fault and give them an extra time it's it's kind of like um you know what it says in the bible not that i'm you know know much about the bible but you you know you have to go to your brother first and say hey you've you made a mistake and i want to i want to correct this with you and then if if he doesn't want to correct it then you bring in the you know a second person and you as a mediator and you say hey this guy we're not doing you know he's not doing what he's supposed to do and so um the person says yeah okay well why aren't you doing it and so you have another discussion and then after that that's the notice the you know opportunity to cure and then the third process is you be you bring it before the community and that's the open court and that's the notice the default when you can't find a cure so um that's a lot how the administrative process works it's all biblical and uh and when i first started doing it it was just like oh this is overwhelming cuz i can't keep track of all all the paperwork going in different directions and stuff and a lot of people it is overwhelming and but now we've gotten this kind of a system of doing things so it it works really smoothly now but it takes a, a while to get your system set up to handle all the paperwork uh, I agree and when people send things out um I, I send everything out registered mail you know so you get that green card back that shows that they signed for it and when you're sending things out as well you've got to make sure you're sending it to an actual address you can't send it to a PO box uh you notice on for instance your uh, driver's license well it's not your driver's license because they can take it away so if they can take it away it must not be yours but on the driver's license it has uh, your place where you dwell at and the physical address where you receive mail and things like that and you know i i look back at some of the old movies where a soldier gets captured and they want name rank and serial number you know uh i i had a situation a couple of years ago where uh an officer approached me uh on my property and there was something going on with some neighbors and stuff and i was giving uh some info over to that officer which go back to the birth of it for a second 
you know, it talks about informant and the mom signs. Well, informant regards information, and information is uh, legally called knowledge of a crime. That's how it's defined. But speaking to this officer, this officer wanted to know um, if I had an ID on me because they were looking for my name, rank, and serial number. And I don't carry a driver's license on me. And so that she was like, oh, that's okay. She said, just let me know your name, your date of birth, and your address. And that, that's what threw my mind back to the old movies where they just want name, rank, and serial number. Because this really is kind of a military occupation going on, and they want your name, rank, and serial number. And those three items uh, consist of your name, rank, and serial number. But, yeah, when you're sending stuff out, you want to do it through registered mail. and That way you've got evidence that it was received, it was signed for, and like Gene said, you give them a certain amount of time. Well, the way things are set up within um, uh, the Empire, if you're doing it like in your county or your state, it's normally 10 days. If you're doing it within uh, the so-called boundaries of America, um, it is... I think 20 days, and if you're doing it internationally, you give 30 days. Well, you're also supposed to tack on three days for mail, for the length of time it takes for stuff to go through the mail. And, you know, in looking back and researching things, I found that in, I believe it was uh, 1945, December 9th, Congress turned over all government offices to the United Nations even to the municipalities. Uh, that means even your dog catcher is a UN, a United Nations officer. And so everything I send out, I give them all 33 days to comply or return notice to me. Um, that way I know definitely all the bases are covered. You know, and I, and that's, this is all about standing in honor because you have to operate as the real man or woman. I mean, and 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 stay in honor and not do anything that could look fraudulent. Brian, yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. agree with you. Um, I look at it this way: whether you like it or not, everybody was a, a business entity was created for everybody to use in commerce. Period. Whether you like it or not, if you're going to Consume, and this is for consumer protection, and Tracy, Jean, and I were talking about this earlier. When you start looking at identity theft and you start reading different, uh, the best interest of the principal and all of that, it's about consumer protection. And what better way to be protected as a consumer than to have this commercial product, this legal organization, this birth certificate name, you go register it. Um, in Minnesota, you're the name holder, so you possess it. And you can have several other people you trust that can possess it, too. And now it has a principal place of business. And um, it's registered because everything is foreign to the United States. So now they can see this entity, uh, this foreign entity, that's why you go get the birth certificates authenticated. It's like the manifest records for this foreign entity. It's now registered. They can see it in commerce. It has uh, the full faith and credit on those seals. 
um, then you come in as the durable power of attorney in fact. Now you can move the commercial product. And, and that's what a lot of us were missing uh, with regard to standing, status, and capacity. Um, you, you have the standing uh, and the status. You correct that by registering that legal organization, that legal name, that commercial product. You now hold it. I like that in Minnesota that you're the name holder. You possess it. You have it in your possession. But how do you move it in commerce? And Tracy uh, did an excellent job with her research of, uh, aha, the the, uh, Statutory Power of Attorney Act. There you go, private attorney, attorney in fact. And it allows you to move that commercial piece, that business organization, that registered legal entity without the liability. And all you can turn around and say, and this is what I like, hey, okay, as the attorney of actor, forgive me if I made a mistake. I'm only trying to protect the best interest of the principal, this registered legal name, this registered entity, this commercial product. I don't want it dead in the waters of commerce because that doesn't help anybody worldwide. It doesn't feed people. It doesn't put people to work. So register it. Use it properly. Um, now you can move as attorney of fact. And so if you screw up, you just say, hey, forgive me, I made a mistake. I'm trying to act in the principal's best interest without diminishing its estate. What are they going to do? And and then who's going to come in and, and challenge you? Who else is coming in holding that commercial product, that legal name that's registered? Who else is coming in with the principal, that legal entity appointed uh, them as the uh, attorney in fact? See, when, when this legal entity is incapacitated, dead in the waters of commerce because it's not registered, it's foreign, and they don't see it, that, that's why they have these attorneys come in, public defenders, you know, to, to make sure that this commercial vessel, this cargo, doesn't come into their commercial zone and, and have a bunch of teenagers on board this merchant vessel hitting everything and creating a mess. Plus, they, 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 they get recompensed pretty good. <laughs> of course, they have their, their wonderful fee schedules and all the other things that they can access. But just to simplify for people listening in, um, yeah, possess it and have the uh, capacity to move it. Tracy, you do a good job of explaining uh, something that's incapacitated. Yeah, um, and I think this is like the one of the foundation ideas or uh, that the knowledge that you have to understand in order to go into commerce is the the incapacitated what what they do everything in the negative so they they define what incapacitated means they don't define what capacity means so incapacitated under the uniform commercial power of attorney act which is what we are talking about tonight um, and that's through the UCC lawyers who who lobby all of the states to adopt this Uniform Power of Attorney Act. And I don't know how many have adopted it yet, maybe half. Um, in our state of Montana, they have adopted it. And once you adopt it, they get rid of all the statutes and codes and rules and regulations, and they just go by the uniform um, codes. And so they have definitions in there, and, and incapacitated 
is one of it is missing. So if you if your entity is missing, it's incapacitated. So the birth certificate entity, um, we know that they call it a registered organization, and so it's obviously registered. The parents didn't register it. The um, local registrar who typed up the actual birth certificate is the one who recorded it in the county, a copy of it, and then sent the original up to the state. And you can get all the information about the birth certificate through the administrative rules of your state under the Public Health Services Division. Just go under the administrative rules, and they have under, like, vital statistics and birth certificates and death certificates and all that, and you'll see all of the information on the birth certificate, so you don't have to be guessing. It, it says what kind of paper, who who types what, who does what, who issues it. So it's the public health and human services are telling the local registrar to create it. They create it, put a copy in the county, so the county has it, sends the original up to the state. The state issued it, so it's their creation. They are responsible for it. They are liable for that, that creation. The mother's liable for her baby, but she didn't create that birth certificate. Um, and it's registered. They registered it, but it's only registered for a certain amount of time, maybe five or seven years. And then after its registration is done, if it's not heard from again for five to seven years, each state is different. Montana says five years missing, then your your status or the, its status is changed from registered to missing and then presumed dead and it's not declared dead it's presumed dead so it goes into the status of its estate needs to be administrated because it's presumed dead Um, another way to be incapacitated is if you cannot conduct your own business so if an if a legal person is presumed dead it can't conduct its own business. It's missing and presumed dead. So it's incapacitated that way. And then another one was being outside of the United States. So the vast majority of people are outside of the United States, so they're all incapacitated. That's all your private state citizens who are bringing in their private documents into the United States courts. Even the state courts are United States courts and wondering why they're being ignored because the private citizen is outside the United States and incapacitated. So incapacitated, what that means is you do not have capacity to sue or be sued. You can't go into their court. And if you show up and you're saying, I'm the man or I'm the private citizen, what you're telling them is that I have no capacity to be here. You can't hear me. You can't see me no matter what I do. It's not going to work. And they're going, yeah, we know that. So um, if you want to come with capacity. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I want to give everybody a perfect explanation as to what you just said. And you talk about people not having capacity in court to get things done. And you'll hear this over and over again. People talk about taking people to small claims court and suing them. And then they say, yeah, but good luck collecting the money. Well, hold on. If the court ordered that a party A is supposed to pay 
party B a certain amount of money, then wouldn't you think that the courts would also enforce that as well? They don't enforce it, and she just explained the reason why. That was beautiful. Hey, you can continue, Tracy. Okay. <laughs> um, so we're talking about uh, what it means to be incapacitated So or capacity. If you have capacity, you can sue or be sued. And this is also the definition of a legal person. So you think of legal person, legal persons can have capacity or incapacity. So if you're going to use one, make sure it has capacity. Pretty simple. So then once it has capacity, it could sue or be sued. It can hold property. It could purchase property. It could dispose of property. So on the flip side of that, incapacity means you're a tenant. So look at all your paperwork. You're always seen as a tenant. And when you go through foreclosure, an awful detainer, um, they're bringing you into the justice of the peace court as the landlord, and you are the tenant at will. How did you become a homeowner? You thought you owned the land and the house and everything. No, you didn't. You were always a tenant, and they just were giving you a month-to-month lease or something until you stopped paying, and then they're evicting you. You never, ever had the capacity to purchase property. Um, And then another thing, if you have capacity, you can contract. So if you don't have capacity, all those contracts you thought you made are void. They're null and void because you didn't have the capacity to sign them. And you 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 could in the private, if you would have kept it private citizen to private citizen, you would have had capacity. But if you tried to bring those into the United States courts or any of their agencies, they see them as null and void because they see that the private citizen signed them without capacity. So what we're saying now is in order to get capacity, you do what the opposite of what they tell you. you you got to make sure you're able to conduct your own business. Well, how do you do that? The legal entity person that they created for you to use doesn't have a mind or hands or feet or brain. It's, in, it's incapable of conducting business. It's just a fictional entity. So we have the private citizen coming in with the hat of the attorney in fact. And attorneys in fact, their role is to conduct business on behalf of someone else. So the private citizen is now coming in with the attorney in fact hat on, which they do recognize in their in their system. They always have boxes for attorney in fact. And so then another thing you need to do is register that DBA name. And then that what that does, once you register, and it's the birth certificate name. You use the name that's on the birth certificate. You register as a DBA name, and we do it in Minnesota because you're, you're seeing the private citizen is seen as a name holder, not the owner. There's no contract with the state whatsoever. It's basically a notice. You're putting in the public notice that the name holder is coming in doing business as the birth certificate name. And so now that it's registered, you'll get a piece of paper that actually you are issuing, and it, you you do it all online, and it's very quick and easy, and you just print it out, and it says that that name is now exists. It's a certificate of existence. So in there, 
legal world, existence means life. The same thing as life, alive. They're not talking about human beings. Um, And so now it has capacity because it's not presumed dead anymore. It has life, it, it exists. And it can conduct business through the attorney in fact. And it's registered in the state of Minnesota, so now it's not outside the United States anymore. It's registered inside the United States, and it has capacity that way. So now it can contract, it can hold, purchase, and dispose of property, and it can sue and be sued. So now we're seeing, if we come in as attorney in fact for that registered name, that's even separating us further. If they say, well, are you John Doe, you know, if the judge is talking to you, and you say, well, actually, I'm the attorney in fact for John Doe. So how could you be John Doe if you're the attorney in fact? You just separated yourself. And you can prove it because you have the paperwork. You've been appointed attorney in fact. In fact, as soon as that registered name um, had capacity and was alive, the first thing it did is it realized it could make a contract. And the first contract it made was to give its powers over to the attorney in fact. It made a power, a durable power of attorney based on what the UCC recommends, but it's not a UCC document because um, we still don't do any statutes, codes. We don't do use their forms. We use our own forms. But I look at what they recognize and say, okay, they recognize all these aspects in the power of attorney, so I'm going to include it in mine. But it's not going to be their UCC copyright written form. It's going to be my own form. Um, so we know they're going to recognize it. And then they put enforcement behind it. They tell you how if someone doesn't recognize it, they they only have 12 days max from the time you come in saying your attorney in fact to the time they have to perform. And within that 12 days, if they don't, then you take them to court and you mandate the judge, compel them to perform. And that's what these lawyers have told you how to do it in this Uniform Power of Attorney Act. So they've given you how to come in, what powers you have, and it's a huge amount of powers. I had no idea that they would recognize all these powers. They have a huge amount of powers. You can you can change the beneficiary on its will, even if it's you. And they recognize that. That's okay. You can pay the attorney, in fact, any amount of money you want, and not just for expenses to be reimbursed, but just for its time. So you get paid through that. Um, you can have successors. So if one attorney, in fact, isn't capable for whatever reason, you have two or three that could come in and do it also. Uh, there's, and so I would recommend reading that act and going through and seeing all the the powers you can give. And then, as I was saying earlier, how we've given our power constantly through our lives, through attorneys, in fact, powers of attorney that we didn't even know about. Well, now we can revoke all those old ones. And they say that it's very easy. You just take a power of attorney and you write revoked on it. That's it. It's done. So you got any contract you don't like with the government and they you've given them your power, right? Revoked on it. 
Um, you can delegate your duties. The attorney, in fact, can delegate its duties. It can even appoint other attorneys, in fact. So it it has all these powers, and then we just make sure that we put that the governing law that governs that document is not statutes and codes or under one of their states that we, in our case, we go under the uh, maxims of equity. We stay on the equity side, the exclusive equity, and then the laws of the contracts, whatever contracts we create between people or agencies, that the laws in that contract are the law um, and the agreements we have, and that's our governing law. So this contract is outside of the United States, but we can bring it in and show them, show anybody that we do have power of attorney to operate the principle in commerce. So that's kind of a short bullet point version of why we're doing it. And, we, and we, this is so new that we haven't had time to really test it. So we're just asking people if, if it makes sense, go through it and test it and see see how these agencies treat you differently, see if they act differently. Oh, no, you're absolutely correct. And, you know, for people that want to get maybe more info or whatever regarding what you're talking about, um, your talk show link is Creator 22. I don't recall the call number for that. Uh, do um, you remember what your... Yeah, that's not ours. We don't have a talk show that was somebody else's put that up. Well, what if we oh. – um, can we okay. email you our um, template for the power of attorney so you can take a look at it and maybe share it um, on your site? Yeah, sure. Or you can uh, send it to me over Messenger on Facebook. I mean, you can find me in Tactical Sovereignty. It's not too hard to find me there. Okay, we can um, do that. And there, we also have a uh, chat, an ongoing chat for the group. Um, it's kind of like the, the PM you have on uh, Facebook. And I, I could add you to that as well, and you could share it there for people to see as well. But uh, I was listening to a call a while ago um, that I believe that um, you were on, Gene, and... I think it was maybe Douglas Joseph that was there. And there are so many people that argue against the authentication process. And uh, I think what, uh, I think it was Douglas Joseph, what he was saying was, oh, what you're doing is giving credibility to it and saying that you are that entity. Well, number one, it's impossible for you to be that entity. And what the authentication really does, if anybody want to look at it from how the state is going to view what you do, uh, they list that at 28 U.S.C. 1733, which it turns that document into an equivalent of the original. And you've got to look at it, you've got to look at it this way. If somebody wants to sell a vehicle or whatever, you're not going to buy a vehicle from somebody that just has a copy of the title to it. You want to see the actual title. And so what that's doing is it's actually placing the real title to that organization in your hands. And that is all part of uh, actually ownership. Ownership uh, consists of control and possession. And you've got to have possession in order to have any control over it. 
and they're wanting for us to represent this organization all the time, but nobody really possesses any control over it. They don't hold title to it. And authentication gives you that document and places you back into that position again. Exactly. I mean, that that's the whole thing is that you will never, ever, ever get the original uh, birth certificate. So the best you can get is a certified copy. But then if you get it authenticated by the birth state and then go to the State Department and get it authenticated, it's as close to an original as you can get. And so that gives you, you know, nobody can uh, uh, rebut that because um, the name that you use is the name that's listed on the birth certificate. And you have it completely authenticated. So you have the, the highest claim to that document simply by what you've done. So, yeah, that's totally correct because you're doing it not just to, you know, bring it into court, but try, you're doing it to get as close to the original as you can. Yeah, and I want to also mention for people that might be new to hearing that word authenticated and stuff like this that uh, haven't really uh, researched or heard information regarding that, that in order to get a document authenticated, you have to declare that it is being used in a non-Hag country. And uh, you can find lists of non-Hag countries online. Um, I use Jamaica. Uh, Jamaica's kind of up in the air right now as to whether they're going to be signing on to the Hag. I don't know. But at the time, they were not part of it. So mine was authenticated through Jamaica. Uh, Indonesia is a good one to list as well. And what you're really doing is you're moving that document outside of the corporate system and out of actually outside of their whole commercial system. And there's so many people that want to argue and fight about, oh, you're not supposed to be in commerce. You're not supposed to do anything in commerce. Da, da, da. Well, you know, I'm sorry, but I think if you start researching this information and start comprehending what the law is really all about, and then go back again and read the scriptures and read what Yeshua, what Jesus was talking about, I, everybody was missing his point. Uh, and you go back to where he was, where he walked on water. Well, water is synonymous with commerce. So it's not that you're not supposed to be involved in commerce. You're supposed to be above commerce. And, uh, and uh, the same thing uh, Jean referenced also goes back, I think it's Matthew 14, you know, yeah. uh, talking about swiftly take care of a problem with your brother. And that's the admin process. It was laid out right there. And people kind of miss what was trying to be told to everybody. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, you're, Jean. You're in the world, but you're not of the world, you know, so Bingo. you're coming from outside of their system, but we cannot do without commerce. We can't buy groceries and gasoline and clothes and all this without commerce. And this, commerce is not bad. Their system is not bad. They set up the framework. It's fine. It's just that the people that are controlling it have deceived all the all the other merchants they want to come in into thinking that there's something they're not. And so we come in in, in a status that is not beneficial for us. So now we're waking up going, well, I don't want to come in in that status. I don't have to. Why would I? Why would I be the slave status? I'm going to come in as the the one that has all the power. 
without the liability. Right, without the liability. And that's one of the things I referred to also in my declaration of status is that I was using Federal Reserve notes out of necessity Mm -hmm. and not out of my election. It wasn't my choice, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, Brian, what I like with the Federal Reserve notes, think of it this way, because I've had people bring that up. I, Dawn, don't use Federal Reserve notes. Heck no. The registered legal commercial entity, well, it uses commercial script, and it can use it all day long. As the attorney in fact, for that principle, I just hold those Federal Reserve notes. I just move them for that commercial legal product while it's using commercial script. But I privately don't use it. I use things that have value with my in my private trade. So what's the big deal now? Because it's really not you. You're absolutely correct. I, everything I do, I do through my assumed name. Even uh, the bank account is set up through my assumed name. Right. And there is another wall that Gene was referring to. You just put walls up is what you do. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to say when you were talking about registered mail is that, um, first of all, that anything you use other than registered mail is uh, considered domestic mail. And so if you're trying to come from outside the United States, um, it doesn't work. And if you want to do something privately, you can't, uh, you can't do private communication through first class or certified mail. It has to be registered mail. So that's why um, you want to do the registered mail. If you want to do a private process, and like a lot of our contracts with government uh, officials are not done publicly, They've done, they're being done privately in their private capacity. So um, that way we send it registered mail in order to do that. And then they see that it can come internationally or it can come from outside the United States. And so that's why it's really important to use registered mail for those private and those contracts that are outside the United States. Well, Gene, you know, even in my own mailings, uh, it doesn't matter if I'm sending a birthday card to somebody or whatever. Um, I don't put a zip code on there because that places you inside the federal. I actually use a NAC code, NAC, National Area Code, which uh, people can research as a different topic. But I also write on there, non-domestic without the United States. Exactly. Another thing you could do is just put all zeros for a zip code. Um, I went in to to mail uh, something, registered mail, a couple weeks ago, and the lady came up and she said, oh, man, we got in really big trouble because you didn't, on your return address, you didn't put um, a a zip code, you know. And I said, "Um, oh, well, don't worry about it. I got it on this time. And she looked over and looked at the package, and it had all zeros on it. And it said, you know, it was without the United States. And and she just kind of looked at me and like, what the heck are you doing? But they know better now after talking to me and, and all the things that I've done through the post office that, you know, that I know what I'm talking about. Right. Well, and that can be researched in the uh, domestic mail manual, uh, 6021.3E. Dot two, and that talks about not using the zip code. 
because it is voluntary. All, all of this stuff is purely voluntary. And you go back to the birth certificate, and um, I think it was, I think it was Dawn talking about it earlier, and uh, people registering a child. No, you're not doing the registering. The informant, the mother, sometimes the father, is giving that information to them, and they're creating it from that. The duty of registration is of the registrar themselves. You're not doing the register. The registrar is doing the registration. Yeah, that's really important That because um, I've told people, when have you ever declared that you are alive, that you have any claims, that you have any particular status of any kind? You never have. You've always filled out their forms, and by filling out their forms, they figure out what kind of status and capacity and claims you have, which is not much of other than a slave. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're going to place you inside their jurisdiction and uh, oh, they're going to put you in the capacity they want to put you in. I, I want to also say I don't know if everybody knows why they created zip codes. And the reason why they uh, created zip codes is bring is to bring Washington D.C. into all the other parts of the country. And so, by by using a zip code on your mail, you are saying that you're in a federal zone, which is defined as Washington D.C. So that's how they can extend the 10 mile square of Washington D.C. out into the rest of the uh, states of the union. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at the word ZIP, uh, you always see it in all caps. Uh, that tells you it stands for something else. An acronym. Yeah. And it stands for the Zone Improvement Plan. Uh, they were improving things so that they could put a federal overlay over all of the territories and land. Uh, you look at um, courts, for instance, like district courts and things. Uh, why don't they all exist only in particular counties or particular zip codes? Some district courts may overlap into parts of other counties and things like that. If you were to look at the map of the United States of America, the way the federal government looks at it, I mean, we look at a map and we see maybe states that are all in different colored hues and things like that with borders and stuff, but that's not what they see. What they see is a grid that they've put over it. It looks totally different than the map mm -hmm. that we're used to. Where are you going? Well, I guess I could open this up for Q&A for people. Um, I'm sure people might have, like, specific questions. Um, so I'll open this up, and uh, just please uh, try not to step on each other while you're talking, and uh, uh, use, if I may, and be recognized and then ask a question and uh, when you're done say I yield and try not to get into too many little small specifics uh, uh, we don't care when you're pulled over what color shoes you're wearing you know what I mean it, <laughs> well, that kind of thing really is <laughs> it, it isn't really needed it, just try and keep stuff concise I guess is what I'm saying and so I'll open it up to Q&A for people can we get some water buddy 
Uh, just let me find the button for it. <laughs> All right. Everybody should be unmuted now. If anybody has a question or anything, uh, man, if there's any disruptions, I'll just have to mute the board again. So, uh, yeah, it's open for Q&A. So go ahead. If somebody has a question for Gene uh, or for Tracy or for Don or myself. I, I think actually a lot of the info that was laid out is a pretty huge pill for people to swallow and wrap their mind around. And uh, I think what's important to bring up when registering the legal entity um, in Minnesota is we do not. Uh, when you fill it in, you put exactly the name of the birth certificate as the name of the, the assumed business name, and then you do it online because if you go to them and have them fill it out, they're not going to fill it out uh, that shows a, a, a separation. So uh, say your June Hannah Doe is the legal name, and uh, the name holder then would be Doe, June. And that just shows a difference between this is the name of the legal organization and the name holder, it's not the same. Because they will presume it's the same if you don't differentiate that for anybody who hasn't registered the assumed business name. Yeah, and another thing is that you can um, have multiple name holders. And uh, one of the things that we thought about recently is having a trust be one of the name holders, only um, when we name the trust, we'll have it sound like we won't have the name trust in it. We'll just have it like, you know, James Arthur, you know, and so it'll look like it's actually a person, but it'll be a trust. And that way, um, when you need to separate yourself from the name even further, you can you can come in as the trustee of that trust and you know come in as that name and that way it'll it'll seem more of a separation from the business name well let me add also uh when i did mine um the, the man uh Brian Parker who is holding the name i listed the name in three different derivatives I I listed it the way you would see it many times in uh, paperwork that comes from the state. Uh, last name, then first, then middle. Or first, middle, initial, last. I, I listed it in all those derivatives so that I actually have possession and control over any derivative that they try and use. Yeah, we notice that that um, what happens now is that, and it might have been happening in the past, and we never really caught it, is that they're using the middle initial name, even though they'll start out with like an all caps name. If it's a speeding ticket or something, they'll start out with an all caps name, and send the summons to that all caps name, and then all of a sudden you get into the court and they're switching it to the middle initial upper lowercase name. And then they'll have an upper lowercase name without a middle initial. 
and we're seeing they're doing this to everybody. They're using Enter star three, one four, to start five with- different persons. Talk Recorded live. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Somebody else is starting to record us. <laughs> well, it looks ethical. It's fine. You know, but, you yeah, know you're I, saying I, something I right when that happens. Yeah, I had a court situation also here oh, a year or so ago where they did the same thing. Uh, they had the name on upper lowercase. I thought that was really interesting. But people need to realize what that uppercase is. It's really the organizational symbols. It's not a name. It's organizational symbols for that organization. Uh, just like if you look in the back of the newspaper in the business section, uh, you're going to see the American Stock Exchange, all that, and NASDAQ, and how they did what's going on with all the different stocks and stuff. And all of the companies, you're going to see those all-cap, normally, um, organizational symbols used. And that's what that last name is. It's really an organizational symbol. It's not and even it, a name. Yeah, and yeah. it's also a vessel. If you look on, the, on, on most ships, they're all in all caps. And if you look in um, graveyards, um, after I can't the 30s, I think, then uh, all the graveyards are in all caps because um, uh, all caps are decedents. So, you know, that's another way of telling. All right. Well, the, and if you go back to the whole system and they're capitalizing on us. That's what that's about. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody has something. We're incapacitated. It's all the it's all the capacity, the CAP, the cap, the head. You don't have a head. Right. Well, and that's why uh, when I'm texting and stuff, people ask me sometimes why I always use a lowercase i. It's like, why you want me to decapitate myself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and going back to the zip code, and. What I've noticed now is anytime I see the word code, I get red flags because I just read the book, well, or maybe a year ago, I think it was called Code Breakers, and it was about how the governments and the militaries create these codes, and they try to break each other's codes, and it's always, you know, scrambled, and they're trying to get information in that they don't want the enemy to see. So they use the word, every time I see the word code, now, it, it reminds me that, okay, this is something that we see it as one way, but they're actually, it's a code. It's, there's a hidden message in there. And I saw the other day they were talking about, some agency was talking about the Social Security number, and they called it the nine-digit code. So if it's a nine-digit code, what is it code for? You know, and then there's the U.S. codes. They're all hidden messages. They're not what you think they are. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you even look at the uh, address where you take care of your authentication for at the federal level to uh, Sterling, Virginia, and there's a code right there within that address. It's like uh, CAPS to something else or whatever. Yeah. It's all broken yeah. up. Yeah. Hey. Mm-hmm. yeah, they have like ST, like some letters and then some numbers, and you're going, what is that? It's part of their address. Yeah. Well, yeah, I thought that was really funny when I saw it. What we're seeing also, which is interesting, Gene Trace here pointing out, is <clears throat> like the prosecutor and the judge in these commercial courtrooms. Uh, when is the L period 
Keith Winston, a proper name. It's not you know? a legal name. Oh. Yeah, exactly. middle initial is not a name. Exactly. Yeah, it's all how it's listed. And somebody in the chat asked, you know, what if your birth certificate is an upper and lower case? Which, you know what, mine is an upper and lower case. My uh, certificate of live birth is an upper mm-hmm. and lower. Um, but on top of that, you've really got to uh, open your mind a little bit when you look at the birth certificate or the certificate of live birth, actually, because everything is in its own little box. It, nothing pertains to each other, and nothing is really part of the document itself. And that last name, however it's listed, whether it's all caps or not, because I know it varies, um, I believe it was in 73 when the majority of the states were required to uh, change the way they styled the name. And so it really doesn't matter whether it's an upper lower case or all caps or not. Um, they're, they're starting to do things to kind of hide that. Mm-hmm. knowledge from everybody. So they're trying to hide those red flags that everybody's seen and they're starting to pull out and research. They don't want that known. Yeah, it's still a, a state creation and the state can create whatever they want. It's just that that's their title for their account that they created that they're going to... And when you see the... Um, the administrative rules, they talk about how these other entities can come into this account. And one of the big things that was a light bulb for me is that the county treasurer comes in after this birth certificate is created by the local registrar, who's an agent of the state, and the county pays $1 for every birth certificate. So they have a lien, I'm presuming, by just paying a dollar. Here's my dollar, like putting in their bet their wager, and then whatever that certificate, that account um, pulls in, they have a lien on it. And so is that why they have, they're trying to get property taxes because they have a lien on that name that is shown as a tenant on land? I mean, it can go, and then they have uh, health insurance companies and life insurance companies that they sell this information to. The state sells, they collect this information for free, the parents give it for free, and then they turn around and sell it. You know what? That goes to something that uh, when I first started researching things, one of the things that popped in my head was you would hear things on the news or whatever, uh, which uh, it's been over two years now since I've turned on TV, so I'm loving life more and more all the time. But you'd hear about the value of different countries and who the richest nations are. And I would stop and think, wait a minute, the richest nations. How can a nation be rich? What enriches it? Well, the only thing that can enrich it is the people. And that is where they're really laying their value in is that they technically are the ones that own your property, own your car, own your future um, value that is going to be placed into taxes and things like that. And um, that also there's something else I want to mention because I, I kind of want to get clear up people on that red number on the bottom of the certificate of life birth. I hear people saying, oh, that's the bond number. You can find that on the stock market. Uh, no, 
that because I spent a lot of hours on the phone with vital statistics and health department and stuff like that. And I found evidence of it. That red number at the bottom really is um, a number that is put there and changed every time anybody tries to make an attachment or inquiry into that estate. All right. And that's what I was told by vital stats. Of course, I don't believe everything that I hear. So I tested it out. I went and ordered three certified copies of the certificate of life birth. And they all came in sequential order, uh, going from like ending in the number two, then three, then four. So I knew that info was correct. Now, what really surprised me was that that was not the first time I had ordered a a certified copy of the Certificate of Live Birth. Um, About 10 months earlier, I had ordered one. And so I went back and looked at that one. Um, There was well over 100,000 different hits on that Certificate of Live Birth. Hmm. The number had changed from being... Brian, have you ever looked at the Global Market Entity Identifier? G-M-E-I? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, let me clarify people on that, too. Sure. That's not, tr- that's not true. Um, what you're doing when you're putting numbers or whatever or names or whatever in there, mm-hmm. putting your Social Security number in there, uh, you are hitting the algorithms for those numbers. If you go and look at all the things that pop up, you'll see similarities, like to the Social Security number that you put in, you'll see similarities of that number in those other entities as well. So what you're, you so you could pretty much do that with a lot of different things, and it will bring up a bunch of different companies or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of a falsehood there. Uh, let me explain things on that a little bit more. Um, oh, please do, because <clears throat> people have brought that up, and so I was thinking. Yeah, right. Um, uh, number one, a lot of people think there's a trust set up for us and that you can hit that trust. Well, I'm sorry. I don't think that the U.S. government is so benevolent to set up a trust for each and every one of us. I look at more as a public trust, a uh, public pool, uh, the pool everybody's peeing in, all right? <laughs> but uh, you look at what happened with the, with the housing market back in '08. Okay, and the collapse that occurred. Well, what happened wasn't each and every property wasn't sold globally. They were put into bundles, uh, classified as a Class A, Class B, Class C, you know, however strong that bundle might be financially. And people were investing in that worldwide. And the U.S. actually created a situation, to me, of economic terrorism which caused a lot of countries financially to collapse because of that, right? Well, the same thing is happening with the birth certificates and with your entity, okay? Um, If they are selling those and classifying those into bundles, um, if you've got somebody whose family has been on welfare all their life and then you've got someone else who's, family owns businesses and properties and they're supposedly worth millions. 
they're not going to commingle those things. They're going to put them into different groups with each other, and they're going to sell those in bundles. Uh, there was something I was reading a while ago from one of the county clerk sites where they waited until they reached, for instance, like 50 um, certificates of live birth and then bundled them together and then sent them out. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, I... I, I yeah, I, I don't I don't see US Inc. being so benevolent to set up a separate trust for each and every individual. Uh that that would just be a, a nightmare as far as controlling it. And we we see how well they're able to control things as it is anyway, so <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense because people that are going into the courts of equity and they're getting relief there, um they're not getting like in in the mor- in the mortgage situation they're not getting what their individual mortgage was worth. They're getting the whole pool because they can't separate it out. Once they put it into the pool, they don't know, you know, John from Jack from Mary's. They're all one big thing, and that looks like how they're doing. They put everybody, per, legal persons, into classes, and then everybody loses their individuality, and you become one unit. And that's how they're they're operating with these different classes of persons. So, of course, we've been coming in the lowest class of persons as one unit, and we are all liable for each other's debts and bills. Well, yeah, that's a perfect example. I mean, well, we've heard for years how we've got to invest in our children. The children are the future. In the well, there you're getting into code again. Uh, because that is the future wealth of the nation. And what those individuals, those children, men and women may produce in their lifetime is really where the value is at, and that's where the investment is. Question. Yes. Hello. Um, yeah. My particular well, my name's Keith here. Um, my Keith, particular question is good, good. I've got a uh, particular situation that, that's been bothering me ever since I was a little kid, and that is that I've been adopted. And my concern is if I, um, if my children want to do an ancestry check um, and find out what their true lineage is, how do I, how do I revert back to my um, original birth certificate uh, in, that, in, in regards to that trust situation? If they've already um, gotten rid of that and switched it over to my adoptive name, well, I think you're you're just under one. They've already done that for you. You can't do anything. It's the states created everything on your behalf, and then when you're adopted, I would assume they'd switch it over and give it a new name. Or you know, if you had the same name, it'd be the same name, but they'd show different parents or. If, did you get a new birth certificate after you were adopted? Yeah, yeah. When I get my birth certificate, it now says the adopted name. Yeah, and I think they steal all those records, don't they? So they probably like you can't do anything. You don't have you don't have access to that because it's not yours. It's the Correct. states. The state created it. So you just have the you have they want you to use it because it's not going to do the state any good just to have it in their vault a piece of paper isn't going to make them any money 
So they want you to go out and use what they created, and they want to profit from it. So I don't think you really can do anything. I don't think it's necessary to do anything. Everything should be done at the state level already. But you can get an authenticated copy. But see, what my concern is, um, say my, uh, well, like my daughter has children, and none of them know that their real lineage comes from Conmarty rather than little. So if they wanted to check their um, lineage out, then they would be following the wrong lineage. Well, do you have the information yourself? Correct, I do, but... um, the uh, particular situation that I'm in is that I don't have any contact with my children. Um, I know, I know one of the, prob- the problems that we've had is that the parents never claim their children. Like the state makes their creation, but the parents never do. And the birth announcement is made by someone besides the parents too. So you can always claim your children in your declaration of status, which that's what we've done. And um, you can set the record straight on your end, whether they know it or not. There will be a then there will be a public record that maybe you can uh, okay. you can put that in well, your documents. Then that would solve because if they checked it, if they wanted to check that lineage, they would come to me eventually in that lineage and would see that. Yeah, because it's in a public record. All right. So, so you can make a public record with all that information that you have, and just uh, you know record that information. On, uh, um, I guess you could do it on your birth date um, or county birth county's record, um, so that anybody that looks for. Um, for that information, we can we can find it at your birth date. I know some right, next, uh, counties won't one. let you record certain information like that, um, but uh, I was talking to Jean and Tracy about this today. My parents are still alive. If the state for their child gave a birth announcement, well, then why shouldn't my parents, who are alive, do a, a birth announcement, you know? Um, you know, you know, Put it James in the paper? and Gina, uh, so 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 are proud to announce the birth of their three little girls. You know, Sarah, Jane, and Hannah, and uh, they are our beneficiaries and heirs in accordance with our will and testament, which would be private. Now, all of a sudden, wow, what would that do? And then you get an affidavit of publishing. Publish it for three weeks. Yeah, and then you could file that in the county because the county will um, record affidavits of publication all day Mm -hmm. long. Yep, just like they do for a foreclosure notice, non-judicially. Well, let me me say also, if people have a hard time recording certain documents uh, in their Mm -hmm. county, you can take things uh, and send them to Lamar, Georgia. Lamar, Georgia, will record pretty much anything you want. And once it's recorded there, you get a certificate of the recording. And under the Equal Footing Doctrine, all other counties are required to record it if one county has already done so. 
Miss Lamar, Georgia. Now, Lamar, yeah, Lamar Georgia. Georgia. And what was that uh, certificate of what? Certificate of recording? Beg your pardon? And that was called a certificate of recording? Right. Yeah, yeah. you'll get a uh, certificate that it was recorded. You can get that from them. All right. Well, thank you. I think I learned uh, quite a bit there today. Thanks. <laughs> like we and, talked you know, about uh, earlier, it, it's about going back and correcting mistakes. But uh, one thing I just, it we've realized, if you think about it, it's in their system or no matter what. Isn't it a sin to waste things and abandon things? So if you you know privately you need to take care of your affairs so that they don't come in and take care of it for you. So on the private side, you should have a paramount claim to everything that you have. Uh, and then you need a will and testament. And we have a waiver. So basically saying that, you know, we're not getting our our benefits come from our creator. Um and Let's see, what else do we have? We have the claim, the will, an inter vivos testament, a will. Um, is that pretty much it, Tracy? And then on the public side, we have the durable power of attorney, the registration papers, and we authenticate those, the birth certificate authenticated, and a declaration of status. But um, listening to some equity things, uh, I heard that a judge uh, in an, from an equity court, cancer court, told this guy, you need to go and publish this. So I'm thinking, and this is just brand new, we are talking about it today, w- perhaps we have to go out there and give legal notice of certain claims. Now, that doesn't mean you have to tell them everything. You're just telling them, hey, um, I'm alive, um, the principal... You know, June Hannah Doe is not incapacitated. I have durable power of attorney for it. It's registered. Um, on the private side, I have a will and a testament and a paramount claim. I claim my little ones, uh, Jane, Sarah, and Hannah, and they are my beneficiaries and heir, heirs. And see uh, documents recorded, number 12456, Gatton County Clerk Recorder's Office. And publish it for three weeks. Um, well, you know, and you can you can pu- you can publish things also through Ring of the Heavens, which I, I know you guys probably don't know a whole lot about yet. But uh, that's the Dejure government that I've joined, and uh, their publication is also linked to, I believe, the New York Times. So. It's all put on blast. It's all out there. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, you can go on Google, all capital letters, uh, Brian Glenn Parker, comma, PMA, and you'll see where my notification was published. That's the same place. Okay. But I think it's important. Um, we privately, you know, in the past, they, they put their heirs and beneficiaries and all of that in Bibles. But I think in, in this day and age, since 1933, uh, it would behoove us to give legal notice out there as to who has claims. You don't have to state all the claims, 
but you have to state that you have these claims, you have have these things, you have beneficiaries, you have heirs. Um, Tracy, do you think it would be okay to share um, our friend's situation with her grandson? How oh, important yeah. that was? Yeah. Um, her grandson, well, her son was going through a divorce proceeding, and the son and his soon-to-be ex-wife were not agreeing, and she was concerned about her grandson being caught in it, so she came into the court as attorney-in-fact for the grandson and said that he's an heir in in her will and a beneficiary of her will and that she wanted certain things done for him on his behalf and she listed out everything that she wanted for the father to do and the mother to do. And when she came in that capacity and she put it in chambers, into the judge's chambers, he ended up giving her everything she asked for, even though she wasn't even a party to it um, in the beginning. She came in as attorney-in-fact, ex parte, ex parte, um, in camera, in chambers, handwritten note, and he granted everything to the grandmother over what the father and mother wanted because they were not behaving in, in the child's best interest, and she was and she was coming in the right capacity where they weren't. Sweet. So you can take that example and just apply it to everything else. It's it's not just about family matters. You can apply it to everything, all the court matters. Attorney of fact, come in the right capacity, bring in the right paperwork, make the right claims, have proof of your claims, and stand on your jurisdiction. So in, my case, so in my case, um, in regards to my daughter um, not having contact with her, I could essentially do that myself and basically make it part of the uh, um, uh, directive that they notify her of this so that she becomes knowledgeable of what's going on and um, correct her status myself as attorney in fact. Yes, you have you have the power as father right now, I'm assuming, that you have... Um, Correct. Yeah, so you come in as father, and she's a minor? No, she's an adult now, but she oh, knows she's nothing about this. Oh, okay, so if she's an adult, then you well, don't have to come in as father. You just come in claiming her that she was your baby, um, and then... You can have put her in your will and everything, and then have you can't do anything. You can't be her attorney. In fact, because she's an adult, she has to give. She has to appoint you. Okay. Okay. You got a thing on your head. We're not going back up there again. No, we just want you. Come on, you I, can, I can. I can still. Um, make it a directive that they notify her, correct? Who would you be going to, the court? Correct. You can always try. Uh, it, it doesn't hurt to put it out there and list it as a public notice. I mean, hey, you've made a claim. 
And unless somebody wants to come forward and rebut that claim, in equity it stands as truth. Yeah, yeah, I understand. And also, I'd just like to recommend to people, if you're not speaking or asking a question or whatever, that you mute yourself out since I unmuted everyone. That way it kind of reduces background noise. But I think we've pretty much summed up um, a lot of the info this evening. And it's really, really great knowledge to have as to how everything has been done um, and how, how you can correct your position when it comes to interacting with the state, the court systems, or even if it's just a credit card company. I mean, hey, you have to have the position to be able to take care of um, your estate to administrate your situation the way it should be taken care of. Otherwise, somebody else is going to do it for you. You're right. You're right. Brian, there's something I wanted to bring up just briefly here, like with the mortgage. Um, The uh, grantor, uh, the principal is the the grantor of the first funds transfer, okay? And we made a mistake as the attorneys, in fact, back at the time, because, one, the um, principals were incapacitated. They were not registered. Two, we didn't qualify our signatures as attorneys in fact. So you can always go back in time and correct a record and correct a mistake. And that is what I have given notice on. Now, that note is very valuable property. And I'm letting them know if they want, to, if the, if they want the principals to hand over the keys to this property then they need to discl- uh, they need to bring forward the original note because that was the valuable property that was given. It, it's kind of like I gave a TV. Do you get to give me a photograph of a TV? No. Does that work? No. And in any time in equity where there is a clog, meaning they can't give back the valuable property, but you have to claim that valuable property. You have to claim the principal's rights, title, interest, derivatives, rents, all of that. And, and like in my notes, I said, uh, I wish to thank all of the hardworking investment bankers and, and insurance agents and all of that who, who made profit for this um, principal by using its valuable property as valuable consideration. However, uh, the principal, and I as the attorney, in fact, accepted acknowledge all of that valuable property for the principal. So now you're bringing it back into equity. It's not abandoned, okay? And that includes the private information on those mortgage applications. All of that information, the title insurance, you know, please come forward. If you are, uh, if some party is out there wanting to be segregated in the matter, who are you? Why are you wanting to be segregated? And by the way, I as the attorney, in fact, invoke my right to be segregated on behalf of the principal because the mistake that I made at the beginning was that as the attorney, in fact, I didn't use that note to endorse it over immediately for the mortgage debt to be paid. Therefore, I'm correcting that mistake and I'm putting all of you on notice. So I'm just giving a little bit of an idea how you can go back in and claim things in the public and and um, invoke your right to going uh, into equity, redemption of equity, subrogation, 
See, they don't get to keep all that that valuable property. And but if it's abandoned, they absolutely are going to keep it. And that's how this has been rolling forward. So uh, it'll get interesting. They went ahead with a foreclosure auction this past week after getting that notice from me. And, uh, hey, you want the keys to the property? You better uh, give me a full accounting and uh, produce all of that very valuable property that's been claimed, and you are fully informed of it. So you don't get to keep that. And if you do, um, and you issue a 1099, oh, boy, uh, maybe they've got some income that they're not claiming to the IRS. Now I can go to the IRS and, and inform them that um, that uh, this valuable property, all of this income, was meant for the principal, not for these parties. So I'm just throwing that out there to, to get people to start thinking of all the different ways once you've registered the, the principal, the legal entity, that name, it's no longer incapacitated, and it's got the authenticated papers, it's manifest records, and it has a, a durable power of attorney, somebody who can come in who's appointed to act on its behalf. Like I said, you're acting in its best interest so that its estate is not diminished. And Tracy really brought that out in, in our conversations. Um, and so just think about it. What's in the best interest of the principal to get all the valuable property back? What's in the best interest of the principal to get all of the, the value, the interest, the rents, the profits? What's in the best interest of the principal um, to disclose if there's any other liabilities out there so that could be dealt with? You know, this is what they're hiding from us because, we, well, not, well, they are hiding it because they won't produce it to me right now. But I've asked for it. So, people, when have you gone in there with the standing status and capacity to act in the principal's best interest and, and demand? Demand this. Well, you don't that's work one for free you either. There. Huh? Yeah, you, you hit on something there also where, you know, they're going to show you maybe a photocopy of something or whatever. They're not going to show you the actual product, um, product itself. And... You know, I was in court a while ago, and uh, they showed me, they said, oh, look at this computer screen here. We show where you sign this or that. that. That shows that there must have been a contract. I'm like, well, number one, I said, that that's just a photo. And this is a ma- maximum of equity, is that similar is not the same. Exactly. Let me say that, let me say that again. Maximum of equity. Similar is not the same. I give you a they TV, use you don't give like me that. a photograph of a TV back. Would anybody put exactly. up with that? If you lease a car and they want it back, you say, oh, here's a photograph of the car. Are you kidding? <laughs> they send yeah. some pretty big thugs after you to say, you better produce that car pretty darn quick. You give something a valuable property. It's property, and it is tangible. It was a piece of paper. I want it back. The principal needs to have it back. Oh, what they're really coming after is your intangible rights of use. Uh-huh. That's what they are really attacking. Because we know the courts only operate in fiction. Right. So you have to look at it from that standpoint. Those are the things. The fictional things are what they're going after, the intangible things. 
it, it's it's not the concrete vehicle or the land or anything like that. That's right. It's the intangible right of use. But they come and take it from real people, and they take real things. Because we haven't claimed well, it. It's been huh? just sitting there unclaimed. Exactly. It's unclaimed. So don't abandon just like your children. it. Don't waste it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Don't waste it. Just, and don't abandon just, it. Just like people's children, it's unclaimed property. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody uh, is trying to get me to join a group or whatever, where they're saying a petition, which I don't agree with petitions anyway or whatever, uh, regarding things that CPS and stuff are doing. And I've tried to explain this exact topic to them, and I, I think it goes in one ear and out the other just because they can't identify with it. But when it even comes to children, they are interfering in your intangible rights and the intangible rights of the child itself. And you have to attack things from that direction. Um, it, you see, even in parental custody cases. There's mothers and fathers fighting with each other as far as, you know, their rights. They're only talking about their rights. That They ignore the rights of the child. They ignore the tangible rights. And that's what's being used against them. And that's why their stuff is getting thrown out and being ignored. That's why I've claimed mine. I call my private, my uh, spirit-filled little ones. Yeah, yeah, you refer to uh, your daughters and your kids as your little ones. Yeah, and my spirit little ones. I, I yeah. like it even more. They're, they're you know, it, the, the body, you know, from dust, you know, you go back to dust. It's the land. Your body is made up of the land. So it's just well, a, my a father, but yeah, you know, my father used to say. I remember when I was young; he's deceased now. But hey, he used to say, uh, "Your earth suit." He referred to us as being inside our earth suit. You know, we yeah. are a spiritual, a spiritual uh, entity having a physical experience. Right, and so my spirit-filled little ones. Guess what? Their spirits are there. You don't tell them to all rise. There's nothing there you're going to be raising from the dead. Absolutely not. So that's why I like calling them my spirit-filled little ones. Yeah, yep. and, and regarding and the claims, you know, you, you just sit down and think of everything that you feel is you have a right to that was given to you by God that you're just going to use while you're here on this earth. You can't take it with you, so you don't really own it anyways. You're just going to be using it. And so just write down everything you believe you have a right to. Put it in public notice. Does anybody else have a right to what I'm claiming? Come come forward within 30 days. If not, then let it be known that I'm going to use it for the rest of my life for whatever, any way I want to. And then that's always your claim and anybody, just like anything else, if anybody comes and takes your car, you can say, well, that's my car. Well, prove it. Well, what records do you have to prove any of your claims? You have to prove all of your claims. So I have a right, I can prove that I have a right to use my physical body because I can move it. I have jurisdiction over it. I can tell the arm to move and so forth. Where can anybody else 
you know, um, probably not unless they are mind controlled or whatever. So then I claim my body. I claim my children because my children came from my body and I claim everything that was in my body that supported my children. I claim the names I gave them. I just start writing down everything that I have a claim, everything that I create from my hands, all my artwork, all my photography, all my letters I write, all my documents I create, all my signatures. My signature is mine because I do it. Nobody else does it for me. Uh, my handwriting, my fingerprints. And you just go on and on and on and just start thinking about all these things. And then how do you claim it? Well, my fingerprints are on a piece of paper I did, and I have it in my possession. And I have proof. They're my fingerprints. I possess them. So if you want them, I'll let you use them, but it's going to cost you $20,000 a fingerprint or whatever I feel like because now I have a fee schedule. It's my time. I I claim my time. Um, yeah, I even I even copyrighted all that stuff. You know, yeah. so if anybody wants anything, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. It, like if they want me to sign something, oh, I'm sorry, but that's copyrighted material. I might have to charge you for that. Yeah. Right. And then if you have it, it's the principles, and you are just the attorney. In fact, it's like, look, I'm just acting on the be- behalf of the the principal, because the attorney. In fact, just make sure you never put any property in the attorney in fact's name uh-huh. the attorney of fact has no property in its name in the public the private citizen which they can't see has all the equitable rights to all the property has the land has the actual physical things but they're not coming like you just said they're not coming after the physical things they're coming after the intangible so make sure that intangible stuff is all in the principal's name not the attorney in fact, so they're not going to come after the attorney in fact ever. He's just he's just um, an agent for the principal and has no liability. Right, it, right. that's a, that's an immune position. And actually, um, Tracy, I want you to expound a little bit more on the attorney in fact because I know people will hear that and they're thinking, oh, do I have to go to court? Do I have to do this? Mm-hmm. Do I have to do that? I mean, I know I've been like in Staples or some of the other business stores and they have a rack of different forms that you can purchase. And there will be like a durable power of attorney there that you can buy one of those and have it filled out yourself and things like that. And uh, I, I think people hear attorney in fact and they're like, oh, my gosh, well, what does that entail? What do I have to do? And do you want to go into that just a little bit to show how real simple it really is to do? Yeah, it's basically you act like you normally do every single day, except you put on a hat called attorney in fact. Um, And the attorney in fact is just basically given powers from the principal. So what we're dealing with is we're dealing with the, the fictional world, the imaginary world. This is not about real human beings telling another human being to act for it. You are just um, putting on different hats and you have different legal persons, like game pieces that you can play on a game board. Now, the only one they will see in the commercial world, the United States jurisdiction, is a U.S. citizen, which 
you don't want to be because that's one of their creations. You can't be a U.S. citizen. They have to create it. So everybody else that's not a U.S. citizen is called a foreigner, and they can't come into their commercial realm. It's like a private club. So they see different hats, and they see attorneys, obviously. You see attorneys all over the place in their system. But those are attorneys at law, the the ones that go to law school and get a bar card. Um, Those are called attorneys at law. And they can represent their clients in a court at law because their clients are not registered, so they're missing presumed dead status. They're missing. There's, so they, someone has to step up in, in their place, so an attorney comes in. That's an attorney at law. So you come in as the attorney in fact, and that's called a private attorney, where the attorneys at law are called the public attorneys. Um, so anybody can be a, an attorney in fact. You don't have to have any credentials. You don't have to have any special skills. Anybody, anybody you trust. And normally what they teach you is that, say, like an elderly person is incapacitated going in the hospital, so they have one of their relatives go in and pay their bills for them and so forth. So they fill out a power of attorney, giving that relative authority to do business in its stead. But what we're doing is we're not using separate human beings. We're using legal persons. So the principal is a fictional entity. It's that birth certificate character the state created. That's going to be the principal. And the reason we're using that one is because once it's registered, it's now seen as alive and it's within the United States. That's the only game piece we have to go into the United States. Our private citizen game piece, they don't recognize it's incapacitated. So we're going to use the birth certificate one that's registered, so you have to register it first. And then it can create the power of attorney and appoint an attorney in fact. Well, the attorney in fact it's appointing, you're just creating it. You're creating a new legal person yourself. And it's called attorney and it's coming in as attorney in fact and it's gonna move that piece around. And so it's why you want to do that is because if the principal just goes around without an attorney, in fact, it's the one that's liable. That's the debtor. That's the one that can hold property, buy property. It can take on debt. It can sue and be sued. Well, if you just go into court and don't say you're the attorney, in fact, they're going to see you as that principal debtor thing. No matter what you say, you can say, I'm the man, I'm that. No, you're the principal because they can't see the man. So you want to separate yourself from that principle, but you want to be able to control all the property that you want to use, but you don't want to be seen as the owner. So you want to control everything, but not own anything. That's what what the Rockefellers or Rothschilds, Rockefellers suggested, control everything, but own nothing, because that way you can have the use of everything, but you don't have the liability because the attorney, in fact, doesn't own the property. They're just moving it around. They're, they're putting um, checks, depositing checks into the principal's bank account. The checks are made out in the principal's name. They're not made in the attorney, in fact's name. 
So it's it's just a way to operate in their commercial realm. Um, what we see is a safe way to operate without being seen as that principal. Because do they ever come after the attorney if the um, if the attorney's side loses? Do they say, okay, attorney, you're going to jail. Attorney, you're going to pay the fine. You're going to do community service. It's like no, the client does it. They're print. That's the principal. He's acting as attorney, in fact, for his client, but he's called an attorney at law because he can practice law. The same thing with the attorney, in fact. They're not going to send the attorney, in fact, to jail or charge it. They're going to charge the principal. So then you just fill out the form whatever way you want. It's not like it has to be a certain way, but if you read the Uniform Power of Attorney Act, it's so thorough. They've really gone into a lot of detail, these lawyers, and they really want everybody to recognize the power of attorney. So they've done all the work for us. All we do is take the information they've given us, make our own form, and expand on it if you want. You can give the attorney whatever powers you want. We've given it powers of medical decisions, um, whether or not to have organs donated, um, whether to create a trust for the principal, all sorts of things. So it, it, it's it's like this. It's unlimited of how many powers you can give to the attorney. You just have to make sure that the principal has those powers before it can give them away. Uh, Tracy, I, I think I, we could probably wind this up. But if if people have more questions or want to research this further. Um, do you have a website or anything like that that people could go to? Well, um, I have a website for public notice um, because um, I was able to record or actually file my um, declaration of status in the county, and then one one other gentleman was able to do it, but then the county attorney shut it all down, so then nobody else could record on it. So... Tracy had the idea of doing a website, so she went and got a GoDaddy 99-cent website domain name and uh, did a WordPress site and linked it to the um, the domain name. And so that's where we put the our, our public documents. So mine is eugenetimothyrodman.com. And... Um, and basically, that's what I have on there is just like my declaration of status. Um, I don't know if we put the power of attorney on because we just did that a yeah, few weeks might not ago. Be on yet, but you can click on the contact button and it'll send an email to us if you have questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Cool. Because I know people in the future are going to listen to this call and uh, have questions and want to get more info. And things like that. So, yeah, but I'll send that power attorney um, template to you, and then people can get it right off um, your tactical sovereignty um, Facebook page. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And you know, uh, join up. Uh, I know Don's in, Tracy. You guys join in, and feel free to share all that info to the group that you want. Okay, okay. I I just. I just like you or something. I don't know that I did it properly. I just went to it quickly and just
just put liked or something on it. So um, do you have to actually sign on or sign up to be a member? Or can I just uh, like it? If- no, if you no, you are on Tactical Sovereignty Secrets. That's a page. Uh, the group itself is uh, Tactical Sovereignty Administrating the Estate. Oh, okay. Okay. And actually, if you scroll through Tactical Sovereignty Secrets, somewhere there, I've posted the group to it. So... Or you can go to the contact us. That might take you to it as well. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, you know, and like I've said in the past, the main thing that everybody really needs to learn is where you're really from, where you're really at, and who you really are. Because everything that's been told to us so far has kind of been a myth. And everybody's been operating in a capacity that they don't even realize belongs to them. That's what this is all about. When you discover those things, that's really when you can really find any remedy to stuff. Well, thank you, we Brian. Know who we are. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Yeah. And thank you, Don. Sure, I think this uh, this is a start to simplifying. I feel that what we presented tonight is a pretty simple way to look at it. The thing that I'm finding is that uh, the people that have been contacting us here in the last few weeks is that, like like myself, they've tried everything. I mean, I, there are people that have done way more processes than I have done, and I thought I've done them all. And uh, no, they. So everybody is kind of looking for you know something to make sense out of this whole mess. And I think just through our research, we've been able to kind of nail it down to just a few things that that you've mentioned. You know that we need to do. Well, I, I do. I think these are the basics. And I know when I first started researching things, I was seeing people that were beaten down the path of the whole constitutional stuff and all that. And I, I, I researched them, and they had been doing it for 20, 30 years yeah. and still getting nowhere. It's like mm-hmm. they're, they're missing things. So instead of looking at what people were researching and starting to research that myself, I, I started looking at what they were missing, what, what what's missing from their research, because that's probably where the answers are at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really so simple. It's a commercial product. I mean, this is what I've seen talking to people. They they seem to visualize this better. That legal name, it's just a commercial product. You hear the word public, they talk about commerce. Uh, You go into those courts, those are commercial zones. Uh, Was this a business entity created for you to go into commerce with? Yes. And what's beautiful is there's other commercial products that your commercial product needs, like bank accounts. Uh, it might need a commercial license. And, and there's so many other commercial products your commercial entity needs. And so if you start looking at it that way, you, you stop going, well, that's my driver license. Well, that's my birth certificate. That's my, because that's where I think it messes with people's heads. 
when when it's now very easy, I just say, just start calling that legal name when you see it. It's a commercial product. It's just a commercial product I use, just like a curling iron to straighten my hair. Just a commercial product. And I might need other commercial products, like hairspray. And, and, well, yeah, uh, you're, you're absolutely correct. It's like, say, for instance, if somebody wants to sue Kmart, for instance, are you going to fill out paperwork and take it in to the manager at your local Kmart store? No, because that building, Kmart, that you're seeing there with the words Kmart on it, that's not Kmart. Kmart is actually located in some documents in Troy, Michigan. Right. It's a totally fictional entity, and you have to find who is the agent for service of process and demand for that organization, and, and that's who you're going to contact. Right. And and here's what else comes. I, I liken it to a vacuum. Okay, so a vacuum gets delivered to you. What happens in order to make that vacuum uh, active? Oh, you got to register. Register the vacuum. So they need information, so you register the vacuum. Then what does it come with? Oh, it usually comes with a little manufacturer's card, a usage card. But also it comes with a beautiful little card that, uh, that has a warranty. And... Same thing with this legal name. They delivered a commercial product to you, register it like you would a vacuum, activate its warranty, kind of like the birth certificate. Now, you know, you need the, the position to move it. So how do you move the vacuum? That's the attorney in fact. There you go. But that, to Beautiful me, is very simple. Very, very simple. And stop calling it you or yours or mine because it, it's not. You just hold it and you can move it. You can hold it and you can move it. So same thing with the vacuum. And, wow, gee, some days a vacuum can be converted to a shampooer too. Awesome. It'll need other commercial products. So people are getting so upset over the commercial Stuff. And I just say, switch out the word public and, and start calling it what it is. Those are commercial zones. Uh, they're hearing commercial matters for commercial safety. And they have revenue officers because they need to see what commercial entity might be coming into their commercial zone, which they need a product called a driver license. So now this commercial product from Arizona is coming up to Montana. Now Montana is saying, oh, okay. Uh, what is traveling to do business in our zone? It's that simple. So this this driving without a driver license to me has been the biggest money making psyop ever. Just go fill the paperwork out correctly for your commercial product. It can be a driver because it needs to go into other commercial zones. It's not you. <laughs> I don't know. This is how I explain it to guys who give me this driver license stuff. I, I, no, you know, you're, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. And I pull my hair out looking at all the driver's license issues and stuff people talk about because they don't really see the big picture. It's that simple. Wouldn't you want to know who's coming into your commercial zone, whether they're registered 
and 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 traveling driving into your commercial zone and and have insurance to make sure that if they come into your commercial zone called the Corporation of Belgrade, uh, you know, okay, first of all, identity, what's its ID? Okay, what's it here to do? <laughs> and how much damage can be done with this particular product? And right. making if a profit. Loss, who do you go after? Yeah, like you said, profit. It's, it's about, okay, <laughs> profits and losses. So if you're going to bring your commercial product into a commercial zone without having these things in place, well, they're going to make a profit off of you now kind of renting the ability to bring your product into their zone. You know, don't go into their yep. zone if you don't have it in place. And like, so, and and what is also beautiful is there's consumer protection in all of this. You have to invoke consumer protection. That's great, a great thing. There's also identity theft is huge. If you misuse information to make false charges, that may be a felony. And if you put it in the U.S. mail for commercial purposes, you know, you're, you're, you're interfering with consumer protection, well, that might be a felony too. It, it can be that simple. Well, they, they've trafficked everybody. I, I really recommend that people go uh, look up uh, Special Episode 7. It was just done about a week ago for the T-Road Show where it talks about how everybody's really been trafficked. Your person has been trafficked, mm-hmm. and it's been trafficked through a territory, through Guam or Puerto Rico, outside of the U.S., uh, which totally removes the person from you. And it's awesome, awesome info in that call. Thank you. But anyway, uh, yeah, we've hit uh, to our mark, I guess. So, and a lot of knowledge here, a lot of stuff for people to digest, and I'm sure that people that come across this call in the future uh, are going to have a lot to think about. And like I said, this is all about really learning where you're really from, where you're really at, and who you really are. And, and those take are the, the bull by the horns. That's right. You know? Come on, because just take the bull it, by the it, horns, people. That's right, because if you don't do it, it's going to be done under assumption and presumption by an entity that you don't want to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, <laughs> uh, thanks everybody. Thank I'm you. going to end the recording, but pe- but people can stay on here and chat. It seems like a lot of times people like to ask questions and talk more after the recording is done. For some reason, they don't want to be on the recording. So, good night, guys. And good night. We're still on though. Very good call. Very good talk. I appreciate you all. Hey, Brian, what was that? Brian, what was that last thing you said about Puerto Rico? 
that they trafficked your person through Puerto Rico, Guam, or another outlying territory? Samoa. Yeah, they just need to go in and look at the, is it the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.